In this episode, we're going to be talking about online customer services. Hello and welcome to this episode of So What's Up. Today I'm with James and Rich and we're going to be chatting about um, online customer services and how you can improve yours. So where do we start as a, an avid online consumer, mostly online, in, pra- in fact even before COVID, pretty much 99% online. Uh, I'm, I'm a good one to speak about customer service. I expect service that we give our clients from everybody and it, it, it doesn't really happen. Uh, we've had quite a few clients, mainly retail, who've gone online quite quickly. Um, furloughed all the staff. The online store's gone really well, uh, but the online customer service has just dropped off a cliff. And that's yeah. something I think everybody should focus on. Um, there's some great players out there in the market. Amazon, it's hard to compare against them because they really are a big, big online retailer, as everyone knows. Uh, but there's quite a few small companies who've gone online uh, and increased the staffing levels since they've gone online just to accommodate the, the sheer volume of uh, customer inquiries, really. As a pre-sale tool, I think that people the, 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 there should be advisors online 24 yeah. hours a day. Uh, and if not 24 hours a day, at least during business hours, in real time if need be. Uh, but it seems that majority of companies now just seem to uh, allocate that to a bot that doesn't need employing, and they think it's intelligent enough to answer the questions you've got for a product. Uh, and in, that isn't always the case. What do you find? Um, yeah, I guess c- customer services and online customer services especially is a topic that is quite close to my heart because I started out my career on the um, product excellence team at Alton Towers, which is essentially... Um, it's basically like a kind of hybrid brand protection slash customer services role. And um, I kind of had it drilled into me that the customer should come first and there are certain standards that you should uphold. So whenever I see other companies not doing it the best for clients or whenever I used to do it at Alton Towers and it didn't meet expectations, it was always a sad day. But yeah, I've got a lot of thoughts on this one. What was about it, you, James? Was it very much an offline thing, though, Alton Towers? No, it was all online. So they had two different teams. Um, they had the kind of online on-the-day team, and then they had the team that I used to head up and lead, and that was the kind of product excellence team. Um, f- so a lot of the work that I did was through social media, um, through answering emails, making sure that the phone calls were answered. Um, so, yeah, basically okay. um, using Twitter, Facebook, and all the like to get back to people and make sure they were happy. Mm. I, th- I think the, the the big problem with it now, and, and Rich said it earlier, is is Amazon. Um, Amazon sets an expectation on every online business that everyone else can't meet. You know, uh, you see it on everything from uh, delivery times. Uh, and, and I see it when, when we're sort of helping our own e-commerce clients to deal with issues that they're having. You know, you, I can see um, customers that potentially are sort of saying, where are my goods? But they are really holding small retailers to the same level they would be holding Amazon with all that logistics experience. Um, and I think sometimes it's unfair, but I think sometimes the small retailers do need to up their game in terms of what they can offer in terms of this because people are just expecting it now and that expectation is not going to go away. So they are expecting next day at the very minimum delivery same day in some instances they're expecting people to get back to their emails promptly they're expecting an element of live chat support for pre and post sales uh, and all this yeah it, it, it's just the way the world has moved on now 
And I think, you know, anyone that does any amount of um, online shopping frequently will understand that, you know, the better websites are the ones that really tick these boxes and get it right. Um, whereas the ones that ignore customer emails, don't respond to social media comments when people are getting agitated, waiting for something, they're the ones that don't get the repeat business and are really going to struggle. Yeah, that's one of my biggest bugbears when you go onto um, social media and like you can see um, like the marketing team have probably scheduled a post or something to go out and then underneath you see all of these comments like so um, you can put posts out on social media and not get back to my question or like um, this is the problem that I'm having like you've not shipped it yet or I've not received my order and it's been three weeks. It almost kind of like as a consumer, it makes you look at that marketing collateral that the people have put out and then think, well if these many people are commenting on here because they don't feel like they've been heard or been tended to, then I almost don't want to buy from this company. I think some businesses are scared of replying, if I'm honest. I mean, people I've spoken to in the past ignore um, negative reviews and social media posts, and in reality, what they should be doing is engaging with them, because at least it shows to people then that are reading that, that the company cares and is interested about the feedback from their own clients. And one of the things that we do uh, every year is we go through the process with the drum where we ask our clients to give us reviews on, on how we do. Um, and obviously we look at those and we look at the comments that come out the back of it and go, actually, does this raise any issues that we can flag up as improvement for our own team? And I think anybody that's doing any kind of volume online would, would probably have a social media presence with you know a significant number of customers in the comments and they can pick up issues from that. Um, but they, they really shouldn't ignore the replying to people because, like you say, if, you, if you're getting frustrated about something, you're seeing then all these scheduled automatic marketing posts that you may not understand that it's all scheduled, but it just looks to me like someone's doing this work and they're not getting back to, to the, the question. It's just a negative experience for that consumer. I think personally, uh, if, if, if you're running an online business and you've got limited resources for customer services, then at least allocate the majority of them resources to pre-sales. Um, for example, if someone's looking to buy a product, you don't want to you want to answer their question instantly or as quick as physically possible. I've had one recently; it was quite a large purchase, a piece of furniture. Dropped them a message, um, got no reply uh, to the live chat. Live chat not available online. Okay, no problem. Drop the customer service email. We aim to get back to you because of COVID in three to five working days. That's three to five working days before I can make that purchase, just for one simple question. Looked elsewhere for the answer on Google, everywhere else, no answer. So I had to wait the three to five days or just not buy. And and, and that, to me, is a fundamental mistake in trying to convert that sale. Uh, Post-sales, for example, if you've already purchased and you're chasing up a tracking number or you've got a, a, a question, I understand that's going to take a little bit longer, and I think a lot of people will be okay with that. It's the pre-sales side of things. You just you just stop in the sales instantly. Allocate resource to it. Yeah, and I think flipping that on its head. Then, so I recently bought quite um quite an expensive purchase. Probably um thanks to James for influencing me on this one. But um I recently bought a Peloton bike. I wanted the Peloton treadmill at first, so I got in touch with them on the live chat to ask if I could have the treadmill upstairs. They said they didn't recommend it, but you could have the bike upstairs. So I was kind of like umming and ahhing about it, but then they had me on a video call with like a person the next day. It was on a Sunday as well. She showed at me everything, like basically went through it all with me. And then um, by the time that I got off the call, I'd basically gone through and um, arranged to pay for it the next day. And that service level 
was probably the reason why I actually went through with the purchase because it was just so streamlined, so smooth. And then once I did the purchase, the woman who initially did like the video call with me then sent me an email congratulating me and like it was really nice. It yeah, was super good. personable. And, uh, and you kind of expect that for something like a Peloton. Uh, yeah. It's a high value purchase. Uh, you're committing not only to that individual purchase, but they've now got you as a subscribed customer. It makes sense to invest time and resource to that. Um, Apple are the same. I'm yeah. sure we've all used Apple support. I assumed it wasn't real time at first when I first used it. Not just the live chat, but even them calling you back and going through any technical issues. It's an expensive product. You'd expect decent customer service. I, th- I believe their staff are even paid on performance as well. So based on the review that the customer gives on the service, they get paid better. So yeah. that makes perfect sense. I think it applies as well to B2B businesses. I mean, everything even down as simple as inquiries to a, to a company. You know, I know for a fact that we've won a lot of business in the past where we've responded to client inquiries within minutes versus other people that maybe sit on it for a couple of days. Um, unfortunately, people, yeah, if they've gone to the trouble to inquire or want to buy or, or you know, want a conversation, they don't want to wait three days for a reply back. They're kind of they're in the mood to talk there and then. And that's where, yeah, it, it doesn't matter if it's a product or a B2B service or anything. It's the same theory applies across the board, that people need to just be prompt to get back to people. Or, you know, and if you haven't got the resource, find a way to communicate that, you know, within this particular time window, we'll, we'll get back to you. So there's some expectations being set. When I used to work at Alton Towers, we had um, this thing called like brand sentiment tracking. Um, it wasn't called that back then because it was about five years ago. But um, what we did was um, we track kind of like the sentiment of all of the communications that were coming into us. And um, it was quite bad because it was around the time that the Smiler incident had happened. And then what we did off the back of um, some of it was we started to put in place service level agreements. So anyone who can who contacted us through Twitter or Facebook online, we'd have to get back to them within 30 minutes. And then anyone who emailed into us at a time when it was like super busy, we'd have to get back to them within like three working days and um, like kind of really try and sort their problem out with um, the first one that we got back to them with. And after putting in place these like service level agreements and then incentivizing the team to like really try and meet those, brand sentiment went up and we didn't have as many problems because we were making it a better process for the customers. Instead of a backlog, you're dealing with it in real time pretty much, so keeping on top of things. There's so many ways as well to to, uh, offer customer service. I think Sky do it quite well at times, and I focused on Sky because they were one of the first people to to use Messenger as mm. an ongoing chat. So you could ask the question, get get a reply, and it would stay within your Messenger. So if you ever had another question, you dropped it on there. The full history is on there as well. It may be one incident that goes over like a month, for example, but it's still on the same thread, and you feel like you've got you've got a communication channel open. If yeah. that makes sense. It's the same with like live chat. You go into a live chat, you fill in your details, you click the button, not available online. And you've clicked the sales, the sales tab as well. So things like that. Yeah, I guess with online customer services, though, it's um, it's one of those clients are at different stages as well in their lifetime journey. Like some of them, they still put a lot of effort into those phone calls and um, emails and stuff. They don't really utilize social media. But I think especially with the e-commerce clients where they've actually got quite a big social media presence and they are doing a lot of marketing through there and they've spent the time to build up those communities and then not to service people on the platforms that they naturally associate with that brand, they're missing a trick. Yep, definitely. 
because good customer service travels far. And then you'll notice like one poor piece of customer service and 10 people will talk about it online and you're losing customers left, right and center. I understand the current situation with COVID. That's been the excuse at the top of every single email reply that you get <laughs> yeah. due to COVID. There's a delay of seven to 10 days on replying to emails. I'm not sure why, because the majority of these, uh, the customer service teams that, that we work with, I'm sure you work with quite a few over the last uh, few months and they've all been uh, rather than furloughed, they're all working remotely on the same job they were doing in an office. So really, I mm. uh, shouldn't see that being a problem. But I do understand, especially some of the smaller retail shops that have gone online quite quickly and they furloughed their staff. There's just basically the director at home replying to emails, shipping orders and trying to trying to do their best. And I understand that's a, that's a learning curve. But uh, it's something that I don't think will go away. Their e-commerce store will always stay think people are still going to buy from them online when they open their shops again and they'll need to learn how to keep that customer service level there online as well as their their shops yeah and i think um i think i just want to finish this podcast up really with just um giving people a few top tips on how to improve their customer service if it's something that they're um, a little bit hesitant about replying to those people that are maybe commenting on their social media or um they're not quite sure on how to get back to people. So um, do you have any tips, Rich, to help people? It's all it's all related to resource, let's be honest. If you've got the staff, if you've got admin members of the team, put live chat on their computer. Put the emails at the front of, uh, of the, their jobs to do. KPI it may be. Give incentives for them to reply to customers. Um, take the rough with the smooth. You're going to get negative feedback, like you mentioned previously, on social media. On social media, everybody can see it. On an email, nobody can see it. So keep that conversation short and sweet and deal with it. Uh, and if you po- if you always reply in a positive manner, even on social media, it, it just works. Everybody sees that you're trying to be nice and you're trying to be helpful. We understand some larger companies, especially their social media team is outsourced and might not be dealt with in-house. So the outsourcing company tends to just do the canned response of uh, apologies for this, please email customer services at dot, dot, dot. And that sometimes is a bit of an issue. It's always good to have at least a member of the team looking over your social media and to keep an eye on things. Yeah, I would say with that though, so um, we used to use that kind of response at Alton Towers and we did it all in-house and internally there. So um, one thing that I would say is never ever have your customer services team commit to a resolution on social media and make it public because then you're upholding that standard to every single one of your customers clients and it might not always warrant that same level of resolution so I'd always take it on a case-by-case basis um, and try and get them to engage with you privately take it away from that public platform but just make it super positive like thank you for your feedback we'd love to hear more about this get in touch at da 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 so yeah that's kind of my advice but yeah never get your get your customer services team to commit to a resolution publicly because it could backfire massively cool yeah so I think you know there's lots of different ideas there and I think you know our customers that we tend to work with e-commerce and b2b clients um, when they sort of approach us with various business challenges that we can help them with tips and advice from 20 years of experience of dealing with this and you know what's good and what's bad and what's worked for other clients so if anyone has got any uh, questions wants to explore this further wants to see how they can integrate better customer services into their uh, existing web platforms then drop us a line at hello at somarketing.com